Awesome. Well, church is a little bit different this morning, and it's my privilege now to share a bit of an introduction to our theme for the year before Pam comes and shares with us this morning. But uh, this, this church was, was planted, I think, a little over 18 years ago now when a lot of the team who are our senior leadership team were obviously still in their 20s. And, um, but for 18 years, the vision of this church has never changed. It has always been the one thing, and that is to be a community that is centered on Christ. Every year we might look at a different theme, but the, the foundational vision and the unchanging vision is that we would build a community here that is centered only on Christ. And that is something that I know is fueled heavily by, by William Booth's vision for the lost, that while there are still hurting people in this world, still people who need to know Christ, that we will fight and we will not rest. If you've never heard the speech that William Booth gave called, I Will Fight, uh, I suggest Google it, find it on YouTube, because it's an incredible uh, mission that he charged all of us as not only disciples, but the Salvation Army with. And the tangent, the incredible thing about that story was I believe he was in his 70s when he gave that speech. So there's still plenty of time. But our vision has always been a community centered on Christ. And for the past five years, every year we have paused and we have, we have created a focus for that year ahead to bring us closer to seeing that vision fulfilled in this community, that we would be centered on Christ, be influential in the community that we live in. Five years ago, we began with the theme of one step, one step closer to God, to each other, and to the lost. The year after that, we decided that it was important if we were going to do that, to do it by His Spirit. So we spent a year focusing on listening to God's Spirit and taking that as being an everyday part of our life, a foundation that we build upon. The year after that, we spent two years actually looking at the Great Commission. The theme for the year was be, go and make. Be the church and go and make disciples. So the second year, we thought that was so good that we continued to focus on it and we called it salt and light. More people are starting to nod as it's getting into the the memory of only being a couple of years ago. That year we really looked at being salt and light in our world. If we were going to be effective in being the church and making disciples and helping people to find freedom in Christ, that we had to be salt and we had to be light. Damo said an incredible thing in the prayer meeting this morning that we would not take, we would not bring people to church, we would not bring people to the kingdom, but we would take the kingdom to them. Incredible. I wrote it down. Amazing, because that's what it is. The Great Commission, be, go, and make, salt and light, taking the kingdom of God to people. And last year, we spent every day with Jesus. Every week, we came up with a challenge together as a church. And, and whilst we still want to spend every day with Jesus, we don't kind of cut that one off and say, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to look at a new one. All those years have been preparing us for a year of looking at being all in with what God has asked us to do. If you didn't already pick that by the, the amount of material around our theme 
for this year is being people who are all in with what God has for us and what he has called us to do. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That word in that first part there, either way, Christ's love controls us. Different translations put it differently. They might say compels or constraineth, if you read an old translation. A love that compels, controls, and constrains us in being all in for what Christ has. Some of the the Greek meanings of that word are to be held together tightly or like a city under siege. It's an interesting thought, particularly for, for North Lakes, where we have so strongly believed that, that uh, we do not want to hold people to programs or to other people. But we want to see them compelled, controlled, and even constrained by the love of Christ in their life that gives them no option gives us no option but to be all in. Not because we have a card that says it or we have a commitment to turn up for a roster or we're part of a ministry, but because the love of what Christ has done for us compels, controls and constrains us like a city under siege, given no choice but to be all in because He first died for us. Yesterday, uh, we, our family went and saw the Newcastle Jets play. Now, I haven't been to the soccer slash football, depending on how passionate you are about it, for a lot of years and, and I haven't taken my kids. And I thought before Carter actually leads the team out as the captain of the Jets one day and as their highest paid uh, scoring striker in the history of whatever league it is, he should at least see the field. (laughs) So we took the family along and and he was incredibly, he's he's a very um, passionate soccer player and fan. And, uh, And I said to Mel on the way, I said, listen, going to this soccer game, it's really just about the kids. This is just some family time. So I've got a lot on my mind. I've got a lot I need to kind of get done tonight. Um, So listen, if the kids are really into the game and they're just focused on the game or whatever they're doing, um, I might just pull out the iPhone and just jump in the notes or send a few messages or or something. I'll, I'll be attentive to the kids, but I'm not there for the game. I'm not there for the game. I'm just there for the kids. So if the kids need me, 100% full attention. But if they're loving the soccer game, then I'm going to get stuff that I need to do get done, like learn English. (laughs) It made sense in my head, but you know what I mean. And, but I tell you, by the time we walked out of the tunnel at the end of the game, I'm not sure I had touched my phone. Actually, I lie. I did touch my phone 
because I wanted to get on the website and find how much it cost to get a family season pass for next year. I was horrified but committed to the cost of the amount of merchandise that we need to buy because we, we can't be a Jets family if we don't have the jersey, the scarf, the hat and the flag. So I went in the space of a couple of hours of being a reluctant attendee to a football game to pretty much planning how I run the fan club for next year. And what it was, there is something special about being in a group of people who are passionate to celebrate the same victories as each other. Welcome to North Lakes. Welcome to church. We are passionate and excited to celebrate the same victories as the person next to you. I had one Melbourne Victory supporter next to me. I pretended they weren't there, but there were plenty of other Newcastle Jets supporters. I didn't know them at all. But we celebrated the same victory. And as a church... When we become all in, season platinum gold plus ticket holders, then it doesn't matter where we've come from or who we are, but we can celebrate the same victory when we know that someone over here's life has been changed because they encountered Christ. Or people have found freedom, families have come together, our community is different because. We exist, but it's going to mean that we all have to be all in. I can't be a Jets supporter and a fan if I just buy a three-game pass. You can't. I'm pretty sure there's a rule based upon my observations yesterday that if you parade around with your season ticket pass around your neck... Mel's like, why do they get to go in that gate? I'm like, they've got passes. We've got to walk around all the back and put our printed ones under the scan. But if you're going to wear that, then you you have to have the, the stuff to go with it. You have to have the merchandise. Why why is it? And I say this with love, because I got home last night and I was so excited about the jets. And then I said to Mel, Oh, there's so much stuff to get ready for church tomorrow. I'll be honest. And that's the the thing that came into my mind when I thought about church. I'd been around 11,000 screaming fans passionately celebrating the same victory that I was when we had not a single thing in common. A couple of hours later, my thoughts to church go to, oh, there's so much to do before tomorrow. And she said, what do you mean? Tomorrow is a springboard. It's a springboard for our church. And I thought, it is. Today is the day where our hearts get touched, our lives get changed, our minds get renewed, and we don't just become the casual observer of a Jets game or buy a jersey off eBay or a single pass every now and then, but we become double gold, platinum, silver, all the extras, season ticket holders for the journey of life that God has for us. And that is not about church attendance. This isn't a please come next week kind of focus that we're looking at. This is a, can we please imagine if a few hundred people were all in 
and passionately celebrated the victories together. Can you imagine what your community and what our city could look like in 12 months if 300 people were as passionate as seasoned ticket holders at a simple little game of kicking a ball around a field? What a city would look like when the victories were celebrated of life in freedom. Where statistics were backwards. Where suicide didn't exist in Newcastle. Because everyone either had hope or knew someone that they could ask about hope. Where families were stronger. Where substance abuse was not an issue. Where the mere week-to-week living didn't happen because there was a city that had a purpose. There was a city that knew the hope in Christ. Paul says it really great to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12. He said, I want you to take your everyday ordinary life and lay it down before me as a sacrifice. He's saying, God wants us to not squeeze him into our life, not find the places where he comfortably fits, not attend the home games that are convenient, but to give our everyday, ordinary life, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're drinking, you're breathing, you're going to work, as the message paraphrase says, And give it back to God as he first gave it to us. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. After the service today, we're we're doing a baptism celebration. And of all the highlights of my life, (laughs) today I get to baptize two of my kids. And so I've been thinking a lot about baptism, a lot. And I realized that my revelation and understanding needed some alignment because I had always thought and always taught that baptism was the death of my old life and a new life that I got refreshed. But it's a little different because Paul said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who live in me. Baptism is about dying to ourself and being reborn into a new life that is all in for Christ. Let's dream today about a church that is all in, about a city that can be different because of the influence of people who are all in. A group of people who are compelled, constrained, and controlled by the love of Christ. Not because a church roster needs them, but because He did it first for us. And so will we. Recently, um, we had the pleasure of going out on a boat on Sydney Harbour. 
Um, my cousin with his family and our family went out on a beautiful sunny day. It was, the, the water was beautiful. It was sparkling. It was crystal clear. It was an ocean of, of green and blue. It was absolutely stunning. The water was just inviting us to go in. Now, if you want to experience that water when you're on Sydney Harbour, then there's only one option, and that's to go all in. You can't sort of paddle on the edges and sort of test the water and sort of, you know, get used to the temperature. It's actually all in or nothing when you're on a boat. And, you know, I so much wanted to dive in because the water looked so amazing. And I, I, I just desperately wanted that. But if I did, it would mean I would have to leave the security of the boat. I felt very safe on the boat. I mean, there are sharks in Sydney Harbour. And so standing on that boat, I felt quite safe. But as I stood on the edge deciding if I was going to jump in or not, I realised that if I didn't, I would miss out on what the water was offering me. You know, that coolness from the heat of the day, invigoration, refreshment, exhilaration, that sense of freedom as the water washes over you and everything's washed away. I would miss out on that feeling if I didn't go in. Well, the good news is I actually did go in. And we even have a picture to prove it. I went all in, jumped off the boat, and I am so glad that I did because all that that water promised me was actually exactly what it was and actually more. It was more than what I imagined. It was absolutely stunning. It was refreshing. It felt great as the water washed over me and I just felt like everything had been washed away. It, it, it was an incredible experience and I'm so glad that I did that. I wonder if you've ever had to make a decision where the outcome of it is that you would either win or lose everything. Mostly we don't have to make that sort of decision, but maybe there's been decisions where you would miss out if you didn't do it. Well, I'm going to invite our host to bring around and we have have something for you this morning. And some of the things I want to say for the next 10 minutes, I think there might be some things that you might want to jot down. So receive this book. It's got 52 pages or 50 pages, so there's enough for one for every Sunday. So kids, you've got your packs. Where's one of the kids? Show me your pack here, please. So this is what the kids have got. They've got, I'm a Northeast kid and I'm all in. So they've got their packs. Thanks, Sunny. And um, if you can take one of these and, and uh, bring it each week, or you can, if you don't like using books, then you can write on your phone, whatever you like. There'll also be cards that you can use. So we've got every advantage to be able to keep up with what God wants to say to us and uh, to be able to each week reflect on what's God saying by how we're going to be all in. So receive those as the hosts bring them around. So as you can see, our theme for this year is all in. And as Adam said, as Adam said it's helping us to know how to fulfill the calling that God has called us to be a growing community that is centered on Jesus Christ. All in is about our willingness to let go of the controls and give them over to God. 
And you know what? In the light of eternity, we're going to realize that if we hold out, then we are going to lose out. The message of all in is simple. It's either that Jesus Christ is Lord of all or Jesus Christ is not Lord at all. It's an all or nothing message. Now the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us, and when we accept that, it costs us nothing. It's a free gift. We can't earn it or buy it. It's given to us compliments of God's grace. But even although it costs nothing, it demands everything. It demands that we go all in. And you know, I think that's sometimes where we get stuck. Because we think that if we go all in, we might miss out on what life has to offer us. But you know, that's not true. The only thing that we'll miss out on is everything that God has to offer us. And the good news is this, that if you don't hold out on God, he's not going to hold out on you. At the end of the day, if we choose not to go all in, then our greatest regret will be whatever we held back from giving to God. And eternity will reveal what holding out means for us. And we will see that we lose out by holding out. Being all in means loving people like God loves them. He loves us. He was all in. He loved us. He did everything to show us how much he loved us. And being all in means being willing to love people like that. Now, you'll notice that on the, um, the, the screen that it says all in full stop. Now, that's not just there for a bit of artwork. It's there for a reason. A full stop indicates that, the, that everything that's been said has been said in that sentence on the topic. And that's it. It's all in. Full stop. That's it. That's what it is. A full stop is there. It's not a question mark. There's no questions about it. It's not an exclamation mark like saying, look what I've done, God. I'm all in. It's not about that. It's about a fact, a truth. All in, full stop. All or nothing. Now, like when I was standing on the edge of the boat, deciding it's a long way up on the edge of the boat to the water when you're out on Sydney Harbour, when I was standing there deciding whether I would go all in or not, that's where we stand as we have to make our decision. Are we going to let go the safety of what we think is secure? And we're going to go all in with Jesus. Let me tell you, if you do... If you choose to go all in for Jesus, allowing him to be Lord of your life, then he's going to do above and beyond what you can ask or even imagine because with God, there are no limits. We are the ones who are limited. With him, there are no limits. Now, I just want to help us to understand where this idea of all in comes from. God set it up in the Old Testament. Before the Israelites were about to cross the Jordan River and conquer and go into the promised land, God said this to them in Joshua 3, 5. He said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. All in is about this word consecration. 
So if there's any note I want you to make today, I want you to write down that word, consecrate. Joshua 3, 5, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. Now, here is sometimes a problem for us because we try to do God's job for him. We want to do amazing things for God. And that's honourable that we do, but you know what? We've got it back to front. God wants to do amazing things for us. That's his job, to do the amazing. Our job is consecration, being all in, full stop. That's it. No questions. Why do I need to do this? Or no exclamations. Look at what I've done. Just all in, consecration. Now, some people think, Consecration is going to church each Sunday or doing daily devotions or keeping the Ten Commandments. Maybe you think it's sharing your faith with someone or tithing your income, giving 10% to God or, or serving on street safe. Maybe you think consecration is attending a life group or raising your hands in worship or even going on a mission trip to Thailand to visit our compassion children. All of those things are part of it, but that's not what consecration is. To consecrate yourself means to be set apart. It's to set yourself apart. By consecration, what that means, it demands all in devotion. Jesus being Lord of all. It's actually stepping down from being on the throne of our life where we're in control, where we think we can do it, better than Almighty God. It's stepping down off the throne and saying, you know what, God? I can't. I recognize that only you can do what only you can do. And it's putting him on the throne of our life, letting him be in control, letting him lead us and guide us and show us the way. It's surrendering all of ourself to him. It's saying, not I, but Christ. It's no longer I who lives, not I, but Christ. Consecration is an ever-deepening love for Jesus. We just fall in love with him more every day. He is so incredible. It's, It's amazing when we do it. And you know what? Amazing always begins with consecration. And consecration always ends with amazing. Jesus tells a story of a rich young leader who was not willing to go all in. He wasn't willing to consecrate himself to Jesus. And the result? Well, it's not just less than amazing. It was distressing. Let's look at the story. It's from Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, 
for he was one who owned much property. This young man had everything that money could buy. He could call the shots. He kept the Ten Commandments. He was a good man. Everyone would have seen him as successful. Yet something was missing. We can see that he felt empty on the inside because of the question that he asked Jesus. He said to Jesus, look, you know, I've got all this. I've done all this. What am I lacking? What's missing? Now, the rich young ruler had everything that we think we want. I mean, he was rich. He was young. And he was, had a position of power. What could possibly be lacking? Yet I think the story of the rich young ruler is one of the saddest stories in the Bible because he had so much, but he wanted to keep it for himself. He thought that was what would make him happy, but actually that was what made him miserable. He couldn't let go or give up control, and so he missed out. No, this story reveals that our greatest asset, the thing that God has given us, the greatest blessing, actually, if it's not surrendered to God, can become our greatest liability. Now, perhaps you think, look, Pam, really, was Jesus asking a bit too much? I mean, you know, we talk about 10%. Maybe if... Jesus had asked him for 10% or 20 or 30%. That would have been really generous if he'd been willing to give 30% of all that he had. But Jesus goes all in. He ups the ante and asks this young man for everything. Why did he do that? Because he loved him too much to ask for anything less. Jesus was all in. He gave everything. He gave his life. That's everything. So that we could lose the penalty of sin. So that we could gain freedom for eternity. So that we could have life in all its fullness. And we have the opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe. So did the rich young ruler. And he said, no. You know, we shouldn't feel sorry for this young man for what Jesus asked him to give up. We should feel sorry for him for the opportunity that he passed up. What Jesus asked him to give was nothing compared to what Jesus would give to him. But we have to let go. We have to surrender. We have to consecrate so that we can receive. The Christian faith isn't boring or mundane or even safe. It is the greatest adventure that any human being can ever experience. It demands all you have and all you are. And then it demands more. And I'm going to finish with a challenge, a picture of where God wants to take us. Just like I I could imagine what the water might be like when I stood on the edge of that boat. But I didn't know until I went all in. And that's the same. You can stand on the edge and you can imagine what it might or might not be like. But you're never going to know until you surrender, until you go all in. You won't know what a life of faith is like. You won't know what 
It is to have a peace that passes understanding. You won't know what it's like to have an indescribable joy even in the midst of turmoil. So we're all standing on the edge of 2018 and Jesus is asking us to go all in. And we have to make the decision. It's all in or nothing. Examine your heart and determine if you're willing to go all in for Jesus because he's already gone all in for you. As we consider this um, picture that I'm going to, it's going to be up on the screen. And then we're going to sing. We're going to, we're going to think about those words that talk about the love of Jesus washing over us. That's all in. Surrendering our heart to Jesus, that's all in. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and allow God to make you part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start seeking God to create your future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risks. Expand your horizons, accumulate experiences, enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshipping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. It's time to accelerate your faith. It's time to go all in.